Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Strahd and Dock and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. You're very welcome to Late Lunch this lovely Friday afternoon. Yes, the sun is shining where I am. I hope it is where you are too. It's a nice day this Friday. Ah, oh, the blimmin' forecast for the weekend. I saw more blinking rain coming in. But look, put on the gear and get out there this weekend because we're at the very end of January. The month is over the first month of the year. And Monday is the 1st of February. And in my book, the first day of spring. And I'll be planting a few early potatoes that I've sprouted. I have them sprouted already in pots in my greenhouse this weekend. So that's the start of the year. We're on the way with the garden in my book and we get the few spuds in and we're looking forward to eating them uh, in about 16 weeks time or maybe even less. Yes, we have to look forward and we have to be positive despite all that's going on. We have to leave the vaccines and the rollout and all that type of stuff to the people we elected in Ireland and in the EU, I hear today, will be short and it's delayed it in, into March. But look, they've got to go and do their jobs and put this vaccine rollout in place. Let's leave that to them. We can't really influence that. Let's influence and do what we can ourselves and keep the spirits up. That is the main thing to do. Will you do something for me? I'll, I, I want to ask you to do something for me today at the start of the show. If you're out this weekend or around your house or garden or wherever, if you see snowdrops, will you take a little picture of them on your phone? And on Monday, wait till Monday, WhatsApp them into me on Monday uh, during the show on Monday. Will you do that for me this weekend? I don't have snowdrops in my garden. I have daffs on the way, but there'll be a while yet. But if you have snowdrops, or maybe you might see an early primrose. Oh, you might have a very early daff. Whatever. You know, those harbingers of springtime, the flowers. If you have them this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, whatever, take a little snap on your phone and on Monday, send them into me on the show. It would just give us all a great lift if you do. And we'll share them. If you send those into us on Monday, we'll share them around the place as well. So snowdrops, daffodils, primrose, whatever you see, snowdrops in particular, take a picture, get them into us on late lunch on Monday. You'll do that for me, won't you? I know you will. I know you will. Anyway, let me tell you, we have a lovely show lined up for you this afternoon. Rick Cronje is here. He turns his focus to Italy with two beautiful wines. We're going to be talking to Irene Gahan from Academy Books uh, just outside Drahada 
Donna, how is the independent bookshop doing? Well, we're going to find out. Bob McQuaid, he's a young singer from Dunboyne. He's releasing a beautiful new single. It's a classic. We're going to hear Bob. Liam Blanche is here with The Sport. And if you want to get involved, don't forget the numbers. 086-1800-658. That's the WhatsApp or text number. And you can call in if you'd like as well. That number's there as well, always. 1850-715-958. Now, we begin today with a young woman who uh, came over to Ireland from her home in New Zealand for the Christmas time, or just around Christmas, and she's still here. She hasn't or can't get back to New Zealand. Well, we're going to find out what the story is. I'm delighted to say hello to Anna Granville. Hello, Anna. Hi, how are you doing? I'm really good. I want to ask you how you're doing in a moment. But first, I know, because let me put my cards on the table here. Your mammy is our Carmel McCarthy of Women With Opinions fame, and I want to say hello to her as well this afternoon. You surprised everyone. When did you arrive home? Um, I arrived home on the 18th and then uh, got myself uh, into um, an Airbnb and so quarantine kind of on the download, on the download. So nobody knew I was home until I got uh, a COVID test um, that I could actually prove positive before I ended up landing on the doorstep. So uh, the last thing I wanted was to give the gift of COVID to uh, my folks for Christmas. So I decided to yeah, self-quarantine and make sure I was in the all clear before um, surprising um, the mummy uh, on Christmas Eve. I believe it was just something else. Those uh, those arrivals are special when you don't expect them. So just to clarify, you came in from New Zealand, you quarantined, you had the test, you were negative and everything was OK. But sure, look at here, Anna, coming from New Zealand, sure, just looked at the figures. You in New Zealand, right, same population as Ireland. There's only been 2,305 cases, 2,208 have recovered, 72 are recovering. And listen to this, folks, New Zealand, same size as Ireland, same population, 25 deaths since this began. Look at Ireland, over 3,000 and almost 200,000 cases. Look, tell me this, how or what did you do down there, Jacinda Ardern, your Prime Minister, from early doors last March, April? What happened? Tell our listeners. Um. Well, basically, I think I think Jacinda was very clear from the get-go. Um, she made a decision, uh, and it was about protecting people as opposed to the economy. And it was very early on that she did that, and you could see where her intent was. So everyone kind of very early on rode in with that. And because it was such clear direction, we only have four levels over there. They were made very clear. They were constantly put out information-wise. She also gets on social media in the evenings and makes sure that people understand what she's actually relayed for the day. So all of it was very personal, and it felt like she actually cared, and she was there. It wasn't just something where she had been given a script and she was telling people to kind of follow. And She knew what she wanted. She set an objective, and she made it clear for the people, and we followed. And I think... That in itself was just the importance. Catch it early, make some clear decisions, stick by it, and don't, um, I guess, don't deter from what your your plan is, and don't feel threatened or, um, you know, kind of get off track because you know the public or the opposition or anyone else has um, anything other to say. Stick to your guns and 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 be clear to to your people, and it works. So. She- so she was decisive. There was a lockdown. People had to conform to the uh, restrictions. People did that, obviously, on, on a, an almost 100% scale. But I'm listening to something you're saying there. And actually, John Kieran's said it to me yesterday on the show, a fault he has with the Irish scenario. You said she was in constant 
contact, be it on social media, I'm sure she used television, radio, etc. as well, all of the time. We only really hear from time to time from our leaders. I'm sure you've seen that as well yourself. That's a, a big difference. And is it important, do you think? Yeah, very, yeah. Seen or lack of seen. I just feel like every time they're communicating here, it's just a bit, it just feels a bit uh, on the fly made up. It feels in, indecisive. It, it just, I just feel like nearly shouting at the TV or wherever I'm listening to it, saying, make up your mind. Will you just be clear um, and, and let the people know what you're uh, 100% telling them what to do. Stop changing your mind and just... Um, yeah, communication is key here. And I think people are just like fed up of being told different things constantly. Just be mm. decisive, make a decision and lead your people, you know, and it shouldn't be about the economy at this point. Sure, we're always going to have a domino effect from um, the aftermath of everything. But at this point, it is about people's health and show, you know, show us that you care, you know. Um, and I think that's what Jacinda definitely got right. And it is about a presence on social media and being there letting people know that you have their backs and they'll, they will listen if they trust you. But if you're not there and you're not communicating, well, you're obviously going to get people who are uneasy and not abiding by the rules. I hear what you're saying. I do hope that the powers that be would hear this message as well, comparing New Zealand on those uh, facets of what happened compared to what we've been going through here and experienced and you've seen both sides of things. The other thing I wanted to ask you, you, you know us Irish yourself, Anna, we're a bit of a, a lawless mob, may I say. No, I'm not I'm not saying that in, in disrespect to all of the people who've obeyed and stayed in from March and followed the regulations, but there's an element and, and a substantial element that really don't pay regard to anything or anybody. They don't want to be locked down or pinned down in any way or follow advice. Are Kiwis more compliant? Are they different to us in essence? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like we're very similar in ways, but from a cultural point of view, it just the weather changes everything. They have summers. They're very much outdoors based. Um, and so considering the timing that things landed and considering that the virus actually thrives in cold weather, when it first hit, it was obviously winter with us and then we were going into summer. So abiding by the rules Kiwis in itself, they had an objective. They could see the light at the end of the tunnel. They had summer coming, which is their whole livelihood. Everyone does outdoor sports. Everyone lives outside for the summer, and they actually get a really nice summer. So, yes, there was definitely more incentive there, um, but uh, they are a bit more compliant. And everyone kind of does row in, and um, it was very much a case of treat yourself as if you have COVID. Behave like you have it. And then that way you will be able to comply, stay in, don't go near someone, always give two metres, wear your mask. Um, so when you kind of have that mindset and that clear objective um, that was coming from the government, um, people did row in very quickly um, and and they were, they were able to enjoy the benefits of actually um, adhering to guidance. Mm. Um, and no. so they do, everything is back to normal, so it's great. Yeah, do you, do you envy when you look... When you look home and you're in touch, obviously, and you, you see the images and you see normality, virtual normality in New Zealand. And you here you are, you came over for a visit and you're so restricted. Does that get to you? Um, 
like Jerry, it does and it doesn't. But like they've had now an outbreak. They've had one or two. Someone was in isolation and so um, there's a community spread. So that's kind of happening at the moment. But what I do love it, uh, is that they're onto us. They're, they've got it tracked. They've got a COVID tracker app that they ask people to kind of scan in and go around. So everything kind of is tracked. So they will lock that down very qu- quickly. It won't get too vast in the community. And there is that kind of reassurance that the process works. When I look at home, it's just kind of chaotic and um, like, it's uh, yeah, I don't know where, where to start or begin. But I came home, I guess, to make sure that I was with family and being here and making sure that um, we were together during this time because, God forbid, anything would happen to, to my family and I wasn't here and I'd have to make a dreaded flight, you know, worst case scenario. But, um, yeah, look, it's... Uh, it's 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 an odd one, but I'm here. I'm in it for the long haul, and I'd rather kind of be here at the moment with family and making sure they're all right than over there and, um, mm. you know, being too far away, not being able to, uh, yes. work, like be with them during this time, basically. Yes, I see what you're saying, and of course, home and family is everything. That case you mentioned, I was laughing when I when I read today, and it's just broken in the last half hour or so on news. Uh, they've actually traced. Listen to how um, good it is in New Zealand. A woman flew back in to New Zealand, went into quarantine for 14 days and had a romantic thrist with her security guard. Imagine they were able to get down to that level. You know what I mean? No, it's a it, look, it's a human thing. People need to do these things. I know from time to time and there's a want in us as human beings, but it just shows you the way they were able to pinpoint those people and now get in there and do all the analysis and the contacts and, and slap them on the wrist, of course, as well. But look, here's the thing. For you to go back is the, is it difficult for you also on the other side of things to get back to New Zealand at the moment? Or if you went back in, what would the process or procedure be? Well, funny you mentioned that. I was actually up till the early hours this morning because um, I had had a few uh, articles sent to me from obviously friends in New Zealand. So there's a waiting list now until May to get a voucher for the quarantine in hotels. Um, and that in itself is a process. So you go and you register then you basically, you book your flight, you go back on and you get your voucher for quarantine. You are not allowed on a flight to New Zealand if you have not got a voucher for quarantine. So it's very well done from a process point of view. Um, so, yeah, I, the earliest stage I can get home is the 26th of um, May. And then they'll probably set out. Uh, and another three months on the website um, where they'll have all the spaces and then they get booked up. So it looks in high demand. People want to get to New Zealand, obviously, because um, it's either returning Kiwis or people who actually have citizenship um, and they realise that life is back to normal there. So there is, um, mm. there's a bit of demand and I feel that it might be, get a bit more difficult, um, Jerry. So I don't know. I kind of just have to take take every day as it comes and, and be open to the fact that it might change. But Having the um, the quarantine voucher and a date for the 26th of May is somewhat reassuring. But yeah, I, like I said, it's not 100% lockdown. Anything can change and happen at this stage. Yeah, but it does show time. you again uh, the way they're organised in New Zealand. And, you know, they have a plan. It's clearly set out. And, and, and people, you know, don't get back in unless they follow it as well. And the more I speak to you, when you talk about the Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, when you talk about the way it was implemented early on and has continued, just what you mentioned there as well, it's fairly clear cut. And it really does show up that, I have to say this, and I'm sorry to say it, 
we're all over the place here. We are all over the place with this. And Mm. the other thing is, look, I want to say this to you. There are two islands in New Zealand, but it is the one nation. The the fly in the ointment here is two jurisdictions on this one little island. If it was one or we could come together as one, and it's quite obvious now the the deep divisions, despite the Anglo-Irish agreement and everything that's happened since, the divisions are deep and ingrained. We could do what New Zealand did, Anna. Absolutely, 100%. Like, obviously, this chat's around um, having difficulty with the border. But when you look back to how we did it when foot and mouth broke out, we yep. worked with the government, uh, the British government then, and it worked. It was like I was listening to something on the radio last week. There was a, a fella on, and he said, um, yeah, within the next day, they were all working together, and it just flowed. There was processes put in place, and it worked. So why can't we do the same thing? Why haven't we been even considering to do the same thing sooner? It's just beyond me, Jerry, to be honest with you. I think we could have just been an awful lot uh, more astute from the get-go. And so if we haven't already done it, when are we doing it? And when's it going to be put in place? Because we're dragging our feet a little bit here. But like now's the time. New Zealand are doing it. It works. It's been proven. So, yeah, I think we need to pull our socks up and get on with it. The problem is that cows don't have a faith or a religion. Cows don't wear green shirts or orange shirts. Uh, they don't fly tricolours or union jacks. Do you understand? I know, I know. That's yeah. the difference. That's the difference between cows and human beings. Sadly, sadly, it is. Just as an aside, how long? when did you go to New Zealand? What took you there and how long have you been living there? Um, I left in 2009, I think, and I went to Australia. I was there for two years. And then um, I went to New Zealand after that because the recession was pretty bad in Ireland at that stage and was basically told if there's work over there, she might as well stay on that side of the world. Um, and then, yeah, just um, yeah, just landed in, in, in a good job and kind of it went from there and then realised there may not be the same opportunities for growth Um uh, so I ended up staying there and then falling in love with it. Um, and yeah, kind of there ever since. So I'm there since September 2011 in New Zealand. Mm. So I'm, there, I'm there a wee while now. You are. Almost 10 years you're there at, that, mm. at this stage. Um, I, I, do you, or did you believe that that's where it would be for life, that that's where you were going to live for, for the rest of your life and use times to visit home? Or uh, do you, is that something that that you see now from this perspective? Yeah, um, no, I didn't. Um, it just kind of happened. It fell into place. And I, um, I guess you don't know where the 10 years go. So it just happens and um, yeah. uh, it creeps up on you, you know. But um, no, I now see myself as living there um, probably full time. Um, yeah. And and I I probably made that choice even before COVID had hit. Okay. Um, uh but now more than ever, it's something yeah. more attractive. <laughs> it certainly is when you see the way it's been handled. I have great admiration for Jacinda Ardern. I think she is one of the outstanding leaders in this world of ours. When we're looking to people for leadership and direction at this time, she really has knocked the ball out of the ballpark, to be honest with you, with all that she's achieved. But look, um, you, you mentioned you got a good job there. Your life is there, your home and everything. I take it that's going to all be there. Will your job, what, what's the story with your job? You know, May now, you have that golden ticket. Are you all right with working? 
Um, yes and no. <laughs> I'm kind of on a, an extended leave. Um, and then once I come back kind of uh, within the organization I'm in, it's a case of suss out what jobs they're going uh, and I'm still in the HR system. So if there's something there, great. If not, then um, just go on the lookout. But um, it's a small industry, uh, IT within New Zealand. So everyone kind of knows everyone. So um, hopefully I haven't burned too many bridges and I'll be all right <laughs> and I'll get something. You, you will be all right. You always have been. You're a great one. So when you have Carmel McCarthy's DNA, uh, the world's your oyster, no matter where you go to live or work. I can say that for certain because I know her so well. But look at Anna, uh, we're, we're delighted to talk to you today. Uh, you, you, you have a date and a time for going back now. And of course, you're in the same boat as the rest of us here for the foreseeable. But I'll tell you this. Talking to you today and realising uh, from somebody who lived through March, April last year and beyond in New Zealand and understands the present situation there, I do say again, it's been an eye opener talking to you. And it does demonstrate that really it's really scattergun when you think about it compared to New Zealand with, with what we're at here at this time. Thank you for joining me and I wish you well. And we'll touch base with you before you go back uh, May time. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on the show. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Anna Granville there. I am... What do I say? Look, I try to be as positive as I can every day, despite all that's going on. And I want to try and get it across to you that this will pass and the vaccines are on the way. But when you look at New Zealand and hear what Anna had to say there, somebody who knows... Doesn't it make you wonder, you know, doesn't it make you wonder? We need more communication and regular communication from our Taoiseach and the government with the people. Bring us with you. Have a clear plan. And for God's sake, no matter what you have to do, get on top of this vaccine issue and get it out there and get people injected. I just saw yesterday Britain has 7.3 million people already with the vaccine. 7.3 million. What are we? A hundred and something thousand. EU. We love the EU in Ireland. Come on, EU. Let's get the finger out and get everybody sorted. Back in a minute on Late Lunch. He passed away on New Year's Day. Oh, it was really sad. We paid tribute to him here on Late Lunch. And I know you love him out there. Yes, he would be 66 today. It's Liam Riley's birthday. And we remember him with this one. Liam Riley. The late, great Liam Riley. You never think you're going to be saying that, do you? 66 years, it would have been his birthday today. We remember Liam on LMFM's Late Lunch this afternoon with Trump Card. And I was just listening to a line of the song there, Snowdrops in Your Eyes, reminding you again, if you're out and about the weekend and you see snowdrops, take a little picture in your garden or wherever and send it in to us on the show on Monday. Margaret McNulty has been out of the blocks already. Thank you, Margaret, for the lovely snowdrop picture, uh, Bay Bay Road, and they look just beautiful. They are harbingers of spring. Another message in there, Jerry, vitamin D. Yes, New Zealand have high levels of vitamin D in the population with the climate. I take vitamin D, I tell you folks myself, every day I take a vitamin D tablet. That's because our Dan McCartney, Dr. Dan McCartney, was on with us before Christmas, emphasising the importance of vitamin D in the battle with COVID. And I just want to finish before we go to news and uh, weather at two. I see a picture here, the beautiful Black Rock Village in County Louth. And there's somebody going through the village 
dumping their refuse, their household refuse. It happened last Saturday, Monday and Wednesday during the week uh, between 6.30 in the evening and 10 o'clock at night. Please, if you know anything or you've seen anything suspicious, get in touch with the guards in Black Rock there. Please give them a shout. 042 Damn you, anyway, whoever you are. You're a disgrace, whoever's doing that. Beautiful Black Rock Village. Look at the state of it there with that bags. Telling them, snitching them. Please do. Uh, hang them out to dry, I say to you this afternoon, for uh, dumping rubbish like that. Late lunch, LMFM Radio, after two. Irene Gahan, she's an independent bookseller, is joining us on the show. News and weather next. Now, here's a statistic for you. Online sales have grown over 200%. While retail face-to-face sales are down between 30 and 50%. So how then does an independent retailer survive? And particularly in the area of books, because remember, you're up against Amazon and the big retail chains and the chains of bookstores as well. Well, we're going to find out now because we're going to have a chat with a woman who opened her bookshop about a year before the pandemic struck last March. And I have to say... She's going along nicely from Academy Books on the south side of Drogheda. Irene Gahan is on the line. Hello, Irene. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Well, maybe you just take that question for a start. Look at all I've mentioned there. How the hell are you still going despite all you've been hit with, especially this last 12 months? What are you doing? Yeah, you make it sound <laughs> quite terrifying, which I think in some ways it has been. Um, it, it, but it's been fun. Let me get that in. Um, it's very difficult, I suppose. Um, but one of the other statistics which I find really interesting is um, book sales have gone through the roof. Um, I do a recent report said that literally we are all getting back to reading and back to basics again. And I think there's the news that other statistic from the UK is four bookshops actually opened in the last six months during all the pandemic across the UK. So I think there's obviously something going on. We might be still trying to find it. Um but it's going good. It's going good. And I have to say, it's going good because I think there is, um, I don't know, there's a grow for books. Um, but I also think there's a really good community spirit um, and a community that, you know, that really wants to support local. Um, and I think that's been really, really important for us. I mean, it was quite terrifying <laughs> to, to close on our 11th month for you know 11 months a month before our first year when we should be kind of ramping up um mm. but we we've you know we've, we've muddled through and we, we've kind of slowly but surely got there but it has been in support and you know it has been support of like the local schools for exam papers and, and you know and school books um local book clubs um and it has very much been about um, you know, the community as well. It's been very much about, you know, I think an independent bookshop is very much about the community. It's very much about the people around it, the people who go to book clubs. Um, and, and I think, you know, popping in and going, okay, I, I, you know, I need a dictionary or, you know, I, I need a, a four-colour pen or, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that's really what we've seen um, that, that I suppose stands out from, you know, buying your book off the shelf in Tesco's or, going online um and it has been difficult and it's going to get even more difficult i think as well because online really has um you know really has taken off during this pandemic which is totally understandable i mean it, you, you yeah. can't you can understand you can't fault people for going online you know 
Yeah. What about the other thing I was thinking about? Uh, the uh, I love a book. And I want to put my, I always say this and I keep saying it again. I love a book and I'm a massive fan of the local independent bookshop as well. And I say today to everybody listening, support them. They are so vital. I'm going to come back to this in a minute. But the other aspect of this is, and, and I've never taken to it, with your readers, your Kindles and, <laughs> you know, your phone or whatever, your computer, whatever, you know, reading books in whatever electronic fashion you have. Don't mention versus, <laughs> yes, versus, you know, having the, the paper and the real yeah. McCoy in your hand. Has that in a way plateaued? Um, well, you see, I think that's what's interesting. Um, Kindles and kind of readers seem to about two years ago, they plateaued at 25%. Um, and the likes of even Waterstones and other bookshops just stopped stocking them then. Um, they have plateaued at 25%. And what I find interesting is if you are really, really love books, um, you know, the Kindle is great and, and you can consume mountains of books. But I think I, I love it. I, I, I just love a book in my hand. I love the smell of it. I love, you know, I love a book has come out and I go up and get it. I, I love the process of picking a book, finding a book, buying a book, um, you know, as opposed to this, as opposed to kind of online, having a stack of books, you know, on, on a Kindle. I'm a nightmare to go on holidays with because I normally have like an extra bag with about five <laughs> or six books. Um, and my husband's like, really? And then I buy more books in the airport and he's like, oh, but you own a bookshop. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, and I think, but I think Kindles do have their purpose in the sense that they, they, you know, they're they're accessible. Um, and and you know, the only thing I don't like, I suppose, from my perspective is, and I think it's unfair on authors. Um, in some ways, in some ways, it's good for authors that want to get out there. But in other ways, when you see a new book online and it's ninety nine p for the day, you know, I just feel like, well, how much is the author getting out of that? And there's so much work goes into a book, and I think sometimes to see it on a you know, to see it online and be sold on a Kindle for 99p, you know, I think it's okay. If they get multiple sales, that's wonderful. But I just kind yeah. of think maybe it's a little bit disheartening for all intents and purposes. And it's a virtual thing, I suppose. Is. There's no real tangible. Mm. I love a tangible book. You know, I love something tangible. Mm, ah, listen, I'm old school on this, but I think lots of people are. And I think the wheel is turning full circle and coming back to it. Yeah. Look, the, the the price, like price is an issue, I know, with people as well. And people always look for value. And that's the thing about online. Yeah. But look at what you have to offer, the personal touch, getting thing for, things for people if you need. And you have a range. I was just looking at your website. It's just not you have the new books, the latest, you have secondhand. But you, the schools you mentioned there, big part of it. So that you have a lot there going on for you. But can I ask you this? You know, audio books. Is there much of a market for audio books? Um, I think there is. I think... I think there is. I, I, it's an, I won't say it's an odd market. It's just, that's a terrible thing to say. I think it's for people who don't necessarily like um, reading. I know that sounds a really odd thing, that they like the idea of a book and they want to read it, but they don't have, either they might be traveling a lot or they might be in a train, or, you know, or it's yes. work and it's easier. So it, it, again, it's just another, it's just another medium. I mean, it's, it's just another medium. And I know my podcasts have just blown out, you know, audio, it's just, it's just another channel for all intents purposes. Yes. Um, and I do, I mean, to be fair, um, Matthew McConaughey is the voice of his biography, Greenlight. And, you know, like when he's voicing his own book, you can understand <laughs> mm. <laughs> why people mm. might like an audio book, you know, because you can <laughs> hear it, you can visualize it, you can, you know, you, you, you're, 
you're in that moment for all intents purposes. So I think it's just kind of another channel, if that makes sense. And it just, it, it just, yeah. everyone kind of, everyone finds their own, you know, their own kind of, their own medium, what works for them. And, and reading at the end of the day, it, it's about reading, you know, it's, it's, it's about listening. It's about, you know, it's, it's just about getting to the content there. So I don't think it really matters what way you access it. Um, you've really, as as, you've as really you sold You've really sold the sensuality of a book, I have to say, as well, with Mr. McConaughey reading his own book, I'm sure, to all the girls listening to us this afternoon. But look, at you, you, you're you getting on with it. You've found new avenues. There's new customers have come to you. And you're, you're battling away at the cold face. That's the message you want to get across today. Yeah, and I suppose, you know, I do want to get that across. And I think there's some really, really good books out at the moment. And I think, you know, the community has been brilliant. And I think it's not just, you know, in, obviously independent. I mean, you, you know, Easton's, I suppose independents are up against the likes of Easton's, the likes of Waterstones, the likes of, you know, Tesco's or whatever, the bigger places. And they can buy books, you know, way, way cheaper than we can. But I suppose the difference is, you know, you buy your shopping, you pick your book off the shelf, you know, but we would kind of be a little bit more involved, you know, or my child doesn't like reading. Can you recommend things? Can you suggest things? And, you know, the kids comes up and you chat and ask them what they like and, you know, and you can go through options with them. And it, it's more of a, it's, 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 you know, it's more involved. It's, it's more of a, you know, I, yeah. I love when you actually see a child go, oh, I think I might like that one. You know, that kind of a way as opposed to being um, just buy something, click and buy. Um, yes. And I mean, we support local jobs. So we, we have six staff. Um, two full-time staff, four part-time staff, um, and we have transition year students doing placements with us um, all you know all the time. Um, and obviously during the summer it gets busier, so we hire more staff. So it, you know it's as much about kind of keeping it local, you know, uh, you know that obviously during the pandemic and everything else. But it's not just it's not just books. I mean, it's shoe shops, it's flower shops, it's you know. Everything. It's all about local jobs. Everything. Everything. We've got to, we've got to get behind the local aspect. And I say to people again, wherever you're listening across the Northeast today, go and support, do support your local bookshop, especially because when it's gone, there's no good crying over spilt milk. I've said this many times in the past. It's too late at that stage. Now, listen, before I let you go, and I've loads more to talk about with you, and I'll come. I'll come back to you uh, on uh, on another occasion to, to delve into other aspects of uh, the reading uh, thing for young people, etc. But would you just throw a few, uh, maybe uh, what you're seeing people are, are picking up or uh, what's in demand, a few uh, from the shop at the moment and online or whatever? Okay, so I have four books picked out. Um, so I, I categorise books slightly different from, from Waterstones. Um, and one of the things I think during the pandemic is everyone needs a little bit of fluffy reading um, and fluffy reading is light reading you don't need to think about it too much it's really enjoyable you don't want to put it down um, and it's taking you away from the situation so Netflix has a series at the moment called um, Bridgerton oh yeah um, and the, <laughs> the book is out at the moment and it's flying off the shelf <laughs> Um, everyone's really keen to get their hands on the book um, and it looks like they're going to go to series two but there's actually I think eight or nine books actually in the series um, so they're relaunching them so Bridgerton would be you know one of those as I call them fluffy books which are just like you know a bit of fun get your head space Can I um, say this don't try, be trying to cut us it's this year's normal people folks it that's is, what it is exactly. isn't it, it is. Yeah, totally it is 
Um, and one other one, actually, that's also on Netflix that I would just want to mention really quickly is The Queen's Gambit. I don't know if you know the chess series that's on Netflix. Yes. The book is excellent as well. It's brilliant. Um, yeah, so that, that's another one that, you know, if you, if you want to kind of go aside from everything else. Um, the other book, which has just come out, came out this week, and I absolutely love it. Um, and he was on The Late Late Show, but I missed it. Um, it's James Comney. So you remember the former FBI director that, yes. um, you know, Trump kind of, you know, ousted. Um, his first book was called A Higher Loyalty and it's absolutely excellent. Um, but his new book, Saving Justice, um, came out yesterday and I just, it's, it's, I have two books to read for the weekend and this is one of them. So I'm quite looking forward to that read. Um, and then the other one, um, we have, we're big Jane Harper fans in Academy Books um, because we have read our, our book club, uh, Voted Lost Man, our book club of the year, a book of the book club of the year last year. Um, but her new one, uh, Survivors, is out. Uh, came out today. I've just got my hands on it and I cannot wait for Sunday so I can sit down and read it. She was a brilliant crime writer, um, mystery kind of crime writer. Um, and she's three other books called The Dry, Force of Nature and The Lost Man. And they're absolutely brilliant. They're the kind of book that, look, kids, get cereal. You're not getting fed tonight. I am going to finish this book. <laughs> um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and then there's one more which I'd like to rec- which I'd like to mention. And it's called Imaginary Friends. Um, and it's by Stephen Chabolsky, who some people will remember. Well, uh, he was the Perks of Being a Wallflower. Um, it's a teenager's book um, and it's been endorsed by Emma Watson actually on the front page. It's 850 pages long so that will keep your teenager kind of happy for a while. It um, certainly will. It's really, oh, it's really good. It's kind of okay. really sinister. So I, you know what, there's so many books out. I yes. Mean, so many but you yeah. know what, these are, these, these are four that are sticking out for me. At the, the tip of the iceberg and oh, highly yeah. recommended by Irene, who knows our books this afternoon. That book you mentioned, Serving Justice, by James Comey. He's the yeah. former FBI director. Actually, I am watching at the moment on Netflix, The Comey Rule. Oh, sorry, oh. on Sky Documentaries, The Comey Rule. And it's about him and that whole time that he's written about. And I, it's fantastic as well. It ties in with the book that you mentioned there. And I want to mention another one because I interviewed her, uh, I think it was early this week or maybe last Last week, Rachel Ryan and Hidden Lies. She's their first time author and I've read the book and it's brilliant. Hidden Lies by Rachel Ryan. And I just want to give her a mention this afternoon. Hey, do you know your man McConaughey you were talking about? I do. Have a listen. Ways I could not ignore. Contracts I have made with myself, many of which I live up to, most of which I still pursue. These are my sights and scenes, felt and figured out, cools and shamefuls, graces, truths, and beauties of brutality, initiations, invitations, calibrations, and graduations, getting away with, getting caught, and getting wet, trying to dance between the raindrops. Rites of passage. All between her on the other side of persistence and letting go. <laughs> Brilliant. Calm down, Irene. Calm down. Are you all right there? off the back of a cornflakes box and I would be delighted. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm getting a bit excited myself here to be honest with you listening to them. There you go. Anyway that's a taste of it this afternoon on Late Lunch. The man himself McConaughey reading away there. Well look at your grace and I wish you well. I'm delighted Thank to you. chat to you this afternoon on the show Academy Books. Check them out academybooks.ie folks and if you want to email uh, Irene it's info at academybooks.ie as well. That's uh, the email address if you want to get in touch. And she's in Southgate on the south side of Drogheda there. Irene, 
Good luck to you. you. Thank you. And I wish you all the very best. And long, long may you be selling books from Academy on Southside. Thanks a million. Thanks so much, Jerry. Take care. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. That's the brilliant Irene Gahan there from Academy Books with us on Late Lunch this afternoon. Short break and we're back with your comments. And there's lots of them. Stay with us. There's another beautiful picture of the snowdrops. Yes, keep them coming to us. WhatsApp me uh, pictures of your snowdrops. That one's a beautiful container in a garden in Dunleer. Thank you, whoever you are, for sending that in to us. As I said, if you're out and about the weekend and you see snowdrops anywhere or spring flowers, take a picture of them and WhatsApp them into us. Best time is during the show next Monday, but if you want it before the end of the show today, we'll pick them up as well. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Eamon just mentioned to me there, they just arrived and I, folks, they're lovely. Do you know a snood? Do you know the snoods you put round? your neck to keep you warm if you're out walking especially at this time of the year we use them when we're fishing on the lakes on cold days they're great for keeping the neck and the top of the back nice and warm no matter what gear you have on you well the LMFM snoods have arrived and they're really snazzy I'm not joking you we're going to give away a couple of snoods to you to so to whoever sends us in pictures of their snowdrops or flowers that you take over the weekend and we'll do it on Monday we'll uh, pick a couple of uh, you who send them in to us and we'll uh, organise that you get the first of the brand new LMFM snoods to keep you nice and cosy over the coming week so everyone who sends us in pictures of their snowdrops will be in line to win with us on late lunch on Monday so there you are a little gift for you for uh, taking the snaps and sending them in to us by WhatsApp 086 658 there's a lady on to me. Uh, I mentioned the rubbish in Blackrock Village, beautiful Blackrock Village outside Dundalk. There's somebody going out and firing the domestic rubbish out on the side of the road. It's disgraceful. A lady there on to me. Jerry, I saw that picture myself earlier on today and I just can't believe uh, what those people have been doing. It only costs a few euro to go to the recycling centre or to pay to have your bins collected. And they won't pay it. No, they won't pay it. That's the problem with people like that. They don't give a damn. They don't give a damn. But you, I, anybody or any place, that's the disgrace of it. If that person or persons are caught, I'd just throw the book at them, to be honest with you. No leniency. We've got to come down hard on stuff like this because people are working hard, keeping places lovely for tidy towns, etc., for the pride of their villages and the places where they live. And yet blackguards like that will do things like that. Thank you indeed for your comments. Keep them coming to us on late. Oh, yes, the uh, vitamin D. Somebody asked me there, Jerry, you take the vitamin D? Yes, I do take vitamin D. One tablet every day. It's a thousand, I think, IUDs. Uh, when I'm on a break here, I'll just get the little bottle. I have it here and I'll give you the information from it. But I take one tablet every day because I believe uh, vitamin D and supplementing it is important in the fight against COVID. Um, they're a little white tablet in a brown bottle, so they are a tiny little white one, and uh, take one every single day with food. That's the thing to do, or you'll have an upset stomach. Anyway, that's my medical advice from your local GP, GK, this afternoon on Late Lunch. No, I'm gonna joke it. Anyway, January's nearly over. There's only one song to play. Are you sick and tired of it? Yes, it's Pilot going back in time. And... Miena, January. January 1975. Pilot and January. I think it was number one, to be honest with you, for quite a number of weeks in the UK. 
Oh no, it was only one number one for a week. That was all. There you are. Week of January. There you go. Pilot, January. Don't go, don't go. Clear off. Clear off. You're almost finished. Now, we were talking uh, uh, before the uh, last break to Irene Gahan from Academy Books in Drogheda, and she mentioned Matthew McConaughey. We actually played him for you. Very funny Graham Norton show episode with Michael Bublé. And here he is talking about his wife and McConaughey. Does Matthew know that he plays a special part in your life? Uh, no, probably not. Please, I play a special part in your life. Yeah. Can't wait to hear this. Tell us. Well, I mean, I, my wife and I sleep with you almost every night. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> and every night there's a, an app called Calm. And I have insomnia. And he has the most beautiful voice. Mm. And I turn it on and I just hear, well, hello, everybody. <laughs> It's me, Matthew McConaughey. I'm going to tell you a bedtime story. And I just do this. Oh. Honestly, God, truth about it is my wife was from Argentina. She always goes like, you have the man talking again. <laughs> the man is talking in the bed again, mate. <laughs> it's great, though. I love this. It cost me 80 bucks. Well, it was well worth it. Have you? Really? No, no, we've got a little because I just thought it was you really. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> very funny, isn't it? McConaughey and Bublé with Graham Norton. <laughs> well done, well done. There you are. He's universally popular, even with Michael Bublé. I have them. Listen. That's them. There's just a few of them left in the jar. Yeah, that's the vitamin D. It's a thousand IUs uh, in each tablet. One thousand IU. I think that's international unit. It's one of those tablets each day is the vitamin D recommended dose. And I will continue to take them. No, Eamon, they're not little blue tablets. They're not. I actually can confirm that. I must take a picture. They're not little blue tablets. I don't need little blue tablets. I just need vitamin D. Anyway, you won't need little blue tablets. Anybody out there after you. Uh, stay with us and listen to our next guest because now glass of vino yeah Rick has his recommendations next thank you so much for all of the snowdrop photographs that are coming through already and keep them coming if you have them delighted to receive them and we'll be coming back to this on Monday because we have the new LMFM snood to give away send the pictures in and you're in the hat for the draw on Monday but I'll come back to those thank you sincerely to everybody just a quick question for you as well uh, I've had a number of listeners on saying Jerry you were talking to Dolores yesterday about St Bridget's Day and Imbolog where would we get St. Bridget's Crosses. Can you help me this afternoon on the show, please? Uh, St. Bridget's Crosses, we have a number of listeners looking for them, where they'd get hold of them. I'm sure there's somebody listening today can point us in the right direction because they are made by many people across the Northeast. But would you give us uh, some information if you have it on that? Send it on to us here, 086-1800-658-086-1800-658 or 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. Now, he is one of our most valued regulars on Late Lunch and boy, do we need an old glass this evening at the end of the month? He is the expert when it comes to wines. Rick Cronje, delighted to have you with us again. Thank you very much, Jerry, and a happy new year to you and the listeners. Well, you got it in just before the end of the month, and I think you just about made it. Rick, great to have you with us on the show, as I say again. Just in, in general, before we get into your couple of recommendations today, you've been out and about since the start of the new year, and... Uh, wine lovers and people who look for new uh, varieties, different wines, they're going to be a little disappointed, do you think? I think so, Jerry. Certainly I was. You know, uh, we didn't seem to have uh, a great improvement 
if I can use that word, from or a better selection from last year and certainly before Christmas. And uh, the few new names that are on there, uh, you see, I always look at great varieties, Jerry. And mm. when you look at the varieties, I mean, there's one particular shop. They've got about four or five new wines on, but they're all Sauvignon Blancs, you know. So not a yes. great choice between them. And uh, we seem to have now come across this a new idea of a low-calorie, low-alcohol. Uh, low uh, low I, I remember that being tried before, and that didn't go down too well, you know. Mm. So, look, so, the word I mean, is... That is a choice for people to make, you know. But, yeah, I was a bit disappointed, to be honest with you. I was expecting to... Uh, a better variety, put it that way. Yes, I was. Okay. Okay, well, that's just a general comment at the start of the new year. Hopefully that will change and uh, hopefully uh, some of the uh, retailers will be listening today and uh, see what they can go and find for us. But you today want to tell listeners, Italy is your focus and super value uh, we're talking about who have these wines. And you're booking the trend because you're going to talk about a grape uh, that we have not talked about since we began this feature with you on the show seven years ago. Exactly, Jerry. Absolutely. When I saw it, I was absolutely delighted. I can't remember when last I tasted that variety because it's just not something we come across, certainly not here. Yes, it's from uh, Italy, the Toscana region, and the uh, name of it is the Bodiso, and it's a Vimentino, and it's a 2018 and it's indigenous and uh, it's unique to Italy and in particular to Sardinia, believe it or not. And um, yeah, and that's that's the very first one we're going to talk about, Jerry, the white wine. Oh, OK, white wine, Vermentino is the name, Bordizio is the name on the label, Ist Italy, uh, Toscana. Uh, you haven't seen this in a while. Did it surprise you? Did it delight you? Describe it, Rick. What is it like? Oh, lovely, lovely. I'm oh, absolutely delighted, Jerry. It's been a good few years since I've seen it and had a sip of it. And, uh, well, first of all, as a grape, it's quite easy to grow and it's very resistant to drought and diseases. Um, although it has a thin skin, believe it or not, it's pale yellow in colour. Um, but it grows best in plenty of sunshine and it tends to ripen rather late in the season. So you have a nice long uh, growing season with it. And um, it's France, uh, certainly in Provence and Languedoc, they also uh, plant it there to a smaller extent now. And it's called Rolet there. And then in America, Texas of all places, the hill uh, country, they are trying it out there because, of course, they have plenty of sunshine up there. Mm. So it's uh, spreading its wings, so to speak, from uh, Sardinia in Italy. Light, citrusy, you say. And, uh, you know, people love and are familiar with Pinot Grigio. Would this be yeah. one to give it maybe a little kick in the bum? I would say so, Jerry. Now, it's going to be, but it has that very, it, it's a light wine. I think it's 12% alcohol. Uh, it's very, see, it's very fruity. Um, it's just a lovely drinking wine, you know, to be enjoyed. It's it's well known as a summer drinking wine. That's what it okay. is. OK. OK. So look, and uh, Rick is saying on its own as an aperitif or with fish or grilled chicken, perhaps it did. It would go lovely. How much will it set you back, Rick? Uh, 12 euro. 12 euro. Okay. And it's a 20 
So, look, it's it's two years now, Jerry. Remember, they harvest in September. So it's two years now. So I would say it's at its peak now. It will be lovely to be enjoyed. And at 12 euro, not bad going at all. Definitely not. There you go. So enjoy. Again, it's Italy. Uh, Bordesio. Uh, Vermentino is the grape. 2018, 12 euro from Super Value. And we're staying in Italy, although we're moving to the islands. Sicily. Oh, beautiful Sicily. I visited a couple of years ago. It's gorgeous. And you're going there for the red, Rick. I am, uh, Jerry. Yeah, the island of Sicily. And uh, it's the Barone Montalto. And it's a Passivento Rosso. So it's a red. And the grape, it's pure, uh, uh, only a single variety, in other words, just one grape. And it's the Nero Davuna. And it's a 2019. And it comes in at 13 euro and 76 cent, which again, I think is fantastic for the quality you're going to get. Okay. And this, it's important to say, as you say, this is a single grape. Uh, in this, there's no blends here at all. But this grape, uh, the Nero de Vallo, is uh, the most important grape, isn't it, in Sicily? It is, Jerry. Uh, 20,000 hectares there is under it. And uh, it's indigenous, obviously, to Italy. Uh, Sicily will uh, they'll obviously tell you, the Sicilians, that it's their grape. Um, and it's a, it's a thick, dark-skinned grape. And that's where the name Nero, which in Italian means black, comes from and it grows in very tight bunches so again it's very uh, resistant to the hot and harsh weather and um, it's actually being experimented with in Australia in uh, the province of Victoria. Okay so again another grape spreading its wings and I know they do send some of it to France to combine in blends don't they? They do, Jerry. This is it. Uh, because of its colour, the very dark colour it produces, and of course, remember, the colour of red wine comes from the contact with the skin. Um, but yes, it, it, it is quite a strong grape variety. And uh, in France in particular, they use it in their Cabernet Sauvignons and their Merlots to give it a bit of, uh, just a, a good bit of boost to mm. it. Yeah. Definitely. And it's hand-picked this, it's oaked for four months, so how would you describe it on the palate, Rick? Oh, lovely, Jerry. This is a purple, it's red going purple in, in colour when you look at it. It's the, On the nose, it's absolutely, you can pick up the dark fruits with a touch of oak, which of course is the four months we you just mentioned. And it's a it's full-bodied, and uh, the plums and blackberries will definitely come through. And uh, because of Passivento, it means part of the grapes would have been fairly dry. In other words, quite concentrated with sugar levels. So there's a hint of sweetness, but the tannins are very soft on it. So very well-structured, very well-balanced. Uh, a lovely, lovely wine, Jerry. Can I say stew? Oh, Absolutely. Can't go. It has to be stew, Jerry. And Perfect. You can find oxtail even better. <laughs> even better is right. But you have another way of enjoying this. Tell them your favourite way to drink this wine. Oversized glass in front of a big open roaring fire, Jerry. <laughs> no excuses. Go for it, folks, this evening. But we'd always do say when we're uh, looking at wines with Rick, 
alcohol in moderation, combine your wine with plenty of water and treat it with respect and enjoy it. We always say that when we talk to you about wines with Rick on the show. Sounds beautiful. Again, folks, just to remind you, the red Sicily, Italy, Barone Montalto. It's a Nervo Davalo grape, 2019, super value, €13.76, and you're guaranteed a beautiful bottle of wine there. And we'll post pictures of the bottles when uh, uh, we're just uploading the podcast later. If you haven't caught the names of that, you'll be able to see them there and head into Super Value in your area and uh, check them out. Rick, you've made the weekend for us. The final weekend of January, it's looking up already. Fantastic, Jerry. Thank you very much. Talk to you next month. Take care of yourself. That's the wonderful Rick Cronje there. Our wine on the wireless this afternoon recommending two brilliant Italians, a white and a red. Late lunch, LMFM radio, heading to a short break. And then we're going to be joined by a young man from Dunboyne. And he's releasing a single and it's a classic. And we're going to hear it and him in a couple of moments. Ah, oh, you're great people. You really are. Thank you so much for the uh, photos and the lovely little snaps of the snowdrops and they're well up all around the place I have to say thank you to John and Bala McKenney not far from where I'm domiciled myself they're beautiful snowdrops John they really are Marie Carlin has a lovely crop of them as well in Drum Conrath in County Mead there's Breed Sullivan as well Brookville in Drogheda with uh, the lovely little white heads in them and then peeping up oh yes nature mother nature and John's been on from Dunlear Jerry look at my snowdrops I think they're a pair of llamas he sent me pictures up there, and there's more, and I'll get back to them. And we have lots of your comments as well to come on the show. I'll get to as many of them as I can before we finish up this afternoon. Young Bob McQuaid is on the line. Hello, Bob. How's it going, Jerry? How are you? Do you like that, young Bob McCabe? Bob McQuaid, isn't that nice? That's <laughs> well, at that well, point. Yeah, at 26, I'll take young. Yeah, that's good. You are young. Jeepers, tonight <laughs> you're only a whippersnapper. When I think back, didn't you appear on The Voice when you were in short pants? I did indeed, yeah. Just, just, just was officially an adult. Just turned eighteen. Like well, I was on the voice, yeah, back then, I was thirteen. Yeah, and uh, uh, there's been a lot happening in your life ever since. Do you know what I loved? You know when you did the was it the tribute to Gregory Porter? Yes, yes, indeed, yeah. Great yeah. man, wonderful singer, and by God, could you? If you close your eyes, may I say this to you and listen to you? You're on the button. You're on the money, man. Thanks a million, Jerry. Really appreciate that. Yeah, no, that was my, my second theatre show. So I was with you before as well. I was speaking about my first one. It was called Bobby Mac Speak Easy, which, which I started back in 2018, which was a, was a great success. We actually went on to do three regional theatres with that one. And then I also came up with the other show, The Gregory Porter Show, which started in 2019. And that's called Take Me to the Alley Night of Gregory Porter with Bobby Mac. So, yeah, I just, I'm... I'm a massive fan of his, so I decided to put a show together with his music. So I really appreciate it, Jerry. It's very kind. No, no, fantastic. But like everyone else of your ilk and in the entertainment business, this little thing, invisible thing called COVID arrived. How's it been for you, Bob? To be honest, it's it's been very up and down, I suppose, for most people, really. But um, yeah, it was a bit of a shock, obviously, going back to, to March, March 15th, 14th, wherever it was. I remember exactly where I was. I was doing a wedding in the Shelburne at the time, funny enough, and I remember distinctly that was the day I kind of stopped working, if you like, and as the world shut down at, at that time. But, yeah, no, listen, it, at the start it was very difficult, you know, just nothing to do, no end in sight. Obviously, I was just completely, completely knocked out. Um, but then in recent months, things started to come up, you know, just little gigs here and there, possibly, you know, funny enough, I, I actually 
started playing in a nursing home at one point during it and um, playing with some of the residents, which was kind of a place I didn't think I'd be, but I was. Um, and then from there to at Christmas time, I was involved with um, with PayPal's Christmas party, did a virtual gig for that. So there has been bits and bobs, but obviously not too much. And it's been obviously difficult to plan because nothing's opening, not too much is happening. But obviously, I was working away behind the scenes on this single. So now I was kept busy. Yeah, this single, and we're going to hear it now in a moment. I was just looking at its history. Um, Try a Little Tenderness is the song, and so many people know it. But it was first recorded on the 8th of December 1932 by the Ray Noble Orchestra, and Val Rosing was on vocals. Then in 66, 1966, Otis Redding brought it back big time. He was backed by a, a group people would remember, Booker T and the MGs. And then coming into the 90s, of course, 1991, The Commitments, you'll know it from that movie. And other movies, Bob, Pretty in Pink, Shrek and Cinderella. So my God, this song is so well known. It, it, it really is. And you know what? That was part of the thinking when I was trying to decide the song for the single. You know, I wanted to get a song that people knew that they would be able to connect with, but not necessarily that they were you know, stuck to one version or, you know, just couldn't listen to anybody else singing it. That was really a big part of the decision process for, for the single. And in relation to that, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the song is, is almost 90 years old, which, which is incredible, but obviously it, it stands the test of time. And so many different artists have covered it, like you just said there. The commitments will be the one that I knew. Mm. That's how I, I, I knew, knew it, the song. But went back, obviously, and listened to different versions. And I just felt, you know, I thought that it was a song that I could kind of bring my own feel to it, my own style. And, um, that's why we chose it. You certainly have. And how can people grab hold of it besides hearing it now on LMFM Radio? Well, after you listen to it on LMF, LMFM Radio, you can also check it out on all major streaming platforms. Um, so Spotify, Apple Music, etc. Lovely, lovely. Continued success to you. It's your debut single and let's hear it now for the first time on the station. Bob, congratulations. Thank you. Thanks, Jerry. Cheers. Jerry Blackrock is such a lovely wee village, so well kept. Those gurriers would no respect if it hit them in the face. Catch them and punish them, says Vera. Thank you indeed for that today. Uh, Jerry, it's shocking, that rubbish. I saw the image myself you were talking about earlier on in the show. Six euro a week for your bins from Panda. I see plenty of people leaving apartments and houses with their bags of rubbish and using the bins on the street as they go to ram it into. That comes from a listener in Trim to this afternoon. Yes, another aspect of it also and thank you to everybody who's been sending us in the snowdrop snaps they're lovely take them over the weekend send them to us I have snoods to give away on Monday on the show and we'll take them then but everybody who sent in today your name is in the hat for the snood Eugene McQuillan oh aren't they lovely Eugene on the Cockle Road in Monaster Boys in Louth Mary Shanky's beautiful Mary fantastic Kilmain and Wood Kells with our snowdrops and so many more as well the crosses the Bridget's crosses a listener saying there was a lady called Bridge Casey and Kilcurry made the crosses. Another one there. Jerry, I saw them in Muller Post Office this morning and they're in the local butcher shop. I take it that's Muller, uh, just outside Kells in County Mead. Lots of crosses made by children for an autism charity, says Stella. Thank you indeed and well done to the children. So there are crosses about to be had. Now, Neil Diamond has been my artist of the week this week. 
and we're into the noughties now. And Diamond became a mentor on American Idol. Uh, and the contestants there had to sing his songs. No pressure that uh, for sure with Neil mentoring you for his own songs. He appeared at Glastonbury in 2008 in front of 108,000 in the audience. In 2012, he was inducted into the, into the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and he got a star on the Hollywood Boulevard as well. And he topped the bill at the centenary. We'd be familiar with it in this neck of the woods, the Royal Variety Performance in London. In 2017, Neil Diamond, 50, he released that album, 50th anniversary collection of his songs, and he embarked on his last ever concert tour because in 2018, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and he retired. Now, he's still tipping away, I have to tell you. Do you know he was married three times? He had two girls from his first marriage and two boys in the second. So two girls first, two boys from the second marriage. And today on Late Lunch, we are going to hear our final Neil Diamond song. And I can tell you this about this song. It's the song he's most proud of. He says this himself because, you see, it's the story of Neil Diamond's grandparents and so many other people. Because, you see, so many nations, people left, especially in Europe and all over the world, and went to America including us Irish, who went there, never returned, who paved the way for their children, grandchildren and great-grandchildren to do good, including the President of the United States, Joe Biden. It's an anthem for so many. The struggle against racism, hostage crisis, terrorism and the memory of all the victims of the 9-11 attack on the Twin Towers in America. It's brilliant. It's... America from Neil Diamond. Today. Yes, Neil Diamond and America. Yes, his most favourite song. He says it himself because it reminds him of all of the immigrants and especially his grandparents who came to America and made a new life for themselves. And so many Irish did as well. Wonderful, wonderful song rounding off our week of Neil Diamond on Late Lunch. Thank you indeed. Uh, St. Bridget's Cross is available at St. Peter's and Our Lady of Lourdes Churches in Drogheda. I've just got a message, and a lovely message come in from John. Sent me a picture of a handmade St. Bridget's Cross. It's beautiful. It really is. It was made by Eddie McGrath uh, in Belturbet in County Cavan. And John got it as a Christmas present. This cross, it's in a circular woven thing and a bird feeder as well. Well done, John. And thanks for sending it in to us. And reminding you again, take pics of your snowdrops this weekend and send them into us Monday. And we have uh, new LMFM snoods to give away. We finish off the weekend late lunch after a final break in the company of the man from Boyle Sports because we're looking ahead to a big weekend of Premier League action with Leon Blanche. Reminding you that you can listen to live commentaries of four Premier League matches tomorrow here on the LMFM app or by clicking the Listen tab on the LMFM website. Half 12, Everton, Newcastle, followed at 3 o'clock by uh, the game between Leaders City, Man City and Sheffield United. The big match is Arsenal-Manchester United, 5.30 and the coverage is completed tomorrow with Southampton and Aston Villa at 8 o'clock. And remember, you can get closer to the action on Premier League Live with Now TV. Stream all the action from Sky Sports on the Now TV Sky Sports Pass. And that leads me nicely to my guest. He's a regular with us every Friday on the show at this time and he is going to look ahead to some of those big games in the Premier your league. I'll say hello again to the communications manager with Boyle Sports, Leon Blanche. Hello, Leon. 
Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me. Well, Leon, as you know, I'm a gooner. And uh, a few weeks ago, I was crying into my spilt milk. I thought, well, sure, it's all gone. A few weeks is a long time in politics, but in sport as well. Arsenal, Manchester United tomorrow, the pick of the games this weekend, Leon. Oh, really is, Jerry, and really looking forward to this one. There's been some great historic matches between Manchester United and Arsenal. We all remember the huge rivalry. It stemmed from the managers first with Ferguson and Wenger. It transformed onto the pitch between Keane and Vieira. We've seen the Keown and Van Nistelrooy match. And look, it always throws up a scintillating game to watch and enjoy if you're a neutral, especially. But Manchester United, they've got to bounce back from that terrible performance against Sheffield United. No one could have said United deserved anything else except a defeat. And that's what they ended up with. Arsenal, on the other hand, very impressed I was against Southampton, how they were able to keep the ball, the movement in behind. They now have real honest pace up front. And when you see Lacazette, his kind of combination play with Saka was very, very intriguing. Smith Rowe has been a revelation for such a young player. I know he came off injured. It'll be interesting to see, will he make the starting eleven? He's had a tremendous record and he's had a tremendous influence on this Arsenal dressing room for such a young age. And I even, I got that sense even when Saka spoke after the victory um, against Southampton. Another young guy who I think is an actual leader of this team and of this dressing room. So Mikel Arteta, while it's been a bit of a bumpy road, he has put his faith in a lot of youngsters. And I think they're going to have a flourishing career, many of them. Arsenal, for me, it's a big game. They're the underdogs, even though they're at home. But the reason is because Manchester United are so good on the road in the Premier League. I can't really split the two of them, Jerry. I'm going to sit on the fence. I think both teams will score. It'll be a fascinating game to watch. And I think it's going to be a score draw. There you go. So uh, with Tierney back, hopefully as well for Arsenal, maybe he just might nudge it in their favour. But Leon going for a score draw in the Arsenal-Man United game tomorrow and that game at 5.30. Now before that, you mentioned Sheffield United there. They beat United the other night. City, Man City, the other Manchester side, have them at home at the Etihad Stadium. Surely they can't slip up. Um, you wouldn't expect them to, Jerry. And I think the big difference between Manchester United and Manchester City at this stage is City always look like they're going to break you down. They always look like they're going to create ample opportunities. Even though they don't have a recognised number nine that has been starting for them um, in recent weeks. Jesus came off the bench. Aguero is still injured. And then you look at even Kevin De Bruyne's injury but it's just the way City play. Bernardo Silva is coming back into form. Raheem Sterling, Mares. They still have players who can cause an awful lot of damage even when they're missing a world-class player. That is Kevin De Bruyne. Sheffield United, great win for them against Man United. But unfortunately, I think Manchester City will win this one and will win it with a little bit to spare, Jerry. I wouldn't be surprised at all if City win three, maybe four nil. And the big thing with Man City at the moment, and the reason why they are back top of the table, the reason why they are favourites, is because at the back at the moment, they've only conceded something like one or two goals in their last 12 games. They've struck up a tremendous partnership in central defence. It's very difficult to break them down. So for me, quite comfortably, Man City win 3 or 4 nil. 
Oh, they're looking ominous. They certainly are, Leon, and you're spot on there. The uh, tightening up at the back has been a real difference. Noses in front now, top of the table with a game in hand. Oh, well, they're looking uh, really, really dangerous. Now, the other big game to finish today is West Ham against Liverpool. Liverpool picking up that win that they so badly needed uh, against Tottenham Hotspur. They were impressive, uh, but they've lost another defender. And West Ham, they're uh, heading for a European or a Champions League place under David Moyes. Fascinating game. Oh, David Moyes has done a tremendous job, Jerry. He really has. And in fairness to him, I know a lot of my friends who are Manchester United supporters, they still insist that David Moyes wasn't given enough time at Old Trafford. But he's gone back to West Ham and some of the signings he's made for small money, and one in particular, Thomas Suchek, he really has slotted into that. He reminds me a little bit of a kind of Marouane Fellaini when he played at Everton. He's a big, tall, imposing central midfielder. He scores plenty of headers, but he gets involved in a lot of West Ham attacks. And even the performance of Mikel Antonio, since he's come back from injury, he's been a revelation up front for the Hammers. Liverpool, much-needed victory against Tottenham Hotspur, no doubt about that. You're right. Losing Matip, ankle ligaments, it's another defender injured. However... Nat Phillips, which a lot of Liverpool fans have said he's the best option at centre-back when we are struggling to fill that position. He done remarkably well again when he came on at half-time against Spurs when he replaced the injured Matip. I think he'll keep his place. They're saying Fabinho will be OK. That was just a little uh, knock that happened in training. So he should be back. Fabinho and Phillips at the back. It enables you to push Jordan Henderson back into the middle of the park. But the big thing from a Liverpool perspective in their last two matches, Mo Salah scored two against Manchester United. Firmino scored against Spurs. Saudi Mane scored against Spurs. And Mo Salah scored against Spurs. However, VAR ruled the goal out with offside. Or sorry, not offside. It was a handball by Bobby Firmino. The Sun goal was offside, which should have never happened. But... Them lads, when they score, Jerry, Liverpool are very, very dangerous. And once you have the three of those men hitting the back of the net, it gives the rest of the side so much confidence. It's going to be tricky. tricky. West Ham will score, but Liverpool to win with both teams to score. Leon, as usual, thank you so much for your wonderful analysis. We'll talk next Friday. All the best, Jerry. Take care. Leon Blanche there, communications manager with Boyle Sports. couple of things before we finish. The AstraZeneca vaccine has been approved for use in the EU. Breaking news just coming in there as I speak. And breaking news on the Bridget's crosses as well. Jared Rowe makes them. Jared Rowe makes those crosses if you're looking for them. His number's 87 695 6922. That's 087-695-6922 for your Bridget's Crosses. I want to say my thank yous at the end of the week as usual. Big thank you to Eamon Doyle back at base and to my producer Louise Walsh. Couldn't do this without them. I honestly tell you that honestly. To you, our listeners, for joining us every day. Thanks so much for your company and to our guests during the week. Wonderful contributors to the show. Thanks a million. Eddie's coming next with the drive. Take the pictures the weekend, won't you, Fummy? The snowdrops, wherever you are. If you see the spring flowers, take them, have them, hold them for Monday, and we'll talk about it then. Have a nice weekend. Take care of yourselves, and we'll see you Monday, 1.30 for Late Lunch. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 